everybody. Welcome in. We say hello to you here on a Thursday. Jim and Trent on 1700 The Champ. You know, Trent, you asked me this question yesterday about Maryland, and you asked me how I felt about DJ Durkin. And then all of a sudden, boom, the guy is removed as head coach of the University of Maryland Terrapins. Uh, It couldn't have come at a better time. But you know what it showed me? It showed me how political and how invested these Board of Regents, big money guys, have for their college football coach. I was totally disgusted when they said they were going to reinstate him, and I smiled at least a little bit after he was fired. I'm right there with you, Jim, and and we talked about this so much yesterday. It was it was absolutely dumbfounding. It was it was yes. yeah. one of those that you're just left scratching your head. How in the world can this be the conclusion that you come to? And hats off to Dr. Lowe for coming out in front of this. You could tell the day before, the day previous on Tuesday, that he was uncomfortable with the Board of Regents' decision. Of course, he has the the power and the autonomy to do something like this. And they go back and, and make the right decision. So many times, Jim, you won't see people do that. And more than likely, he very well could lose his job out of this. And he won't be back you know, for the end of the season and on and on and on and won't finish out his career. But he did the right thing. That is a testament to him. He will never have this laying in his conscience as he goes into retirement and, and lives, I'm sure, a great life. He'll always know that he made the right decision. Too many times, Jim, we don't see that in college athletics. So a tip of the ball cap to him. It was such an easy decision for everybody it from was. the outside. Jim, sometimes, yeah. though, I mean, you, you see this in, in many walks of life. This isn't just college athletics only, but so many times when people are close to a situation they just they can't see the reality of it because your own reality sometimes when you're that close isn't what everybody else sees. Well, because they're fans, and fan is short for fanatical, and that's why that decision probably went down the way that it did because they're fans of the team, fans of the coach, and they wanted to try to protect that coach as much as they possibly could. Look, I think you're correct with that assessment that they don't see the forest through the trees, to use an old cliche. And from that aspect, Trent, uh, I I applaud the school for what they did. The backlash was so severe that they were most likely shamed into making that move. Totally shamed into making that move. And and so I, I parked myself... God forbid, at a refreshment stand. Of course. And I'm and I'm talking to a couple of people, and these and these guys are telling me that they need to get rid of Maryland and they need to get rid of Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Trent, I tried to explain it to them. It wasn't about anything else than a money grab and an opportunity to showcase the Big Ten in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, up in the uh, in the northeast and in the nation's capital in Washington and Baltimore. That's really all it was. I don't think it had really anything else to do. Maryland plays pretty good basketball. Rutgers right now is not good at anything. Right. But but from that aspect of it 
it, it it is so. And look, I I thought Delaney was spot on when he stuck his neck out with the Big Ten Network, and a lot of people said ah, it'll never work. I thought it was going to work from the get go, because it's television. It's the Big Ten. It is big time sports, big time TV, and it's worked tremendously well. But the mistake of playing the basketball tournament in New York City, what a joke, money grab. The same scenario is what it was for acquiescing and bringing in Maryland and Rutgers. Nothing more than Big Doe, Trent. Yes, no, no doubt about it. Now, Jim... Here, here is a question that is out there, and as you're talking to people at the bar, you must hang out with smart barflies because I think this is a pertinent conversation. Does the Big Ten have an ability to get rid of Maryland and Rutgers, to vote them out? Well, yes, that, that is certainly something that can, done, can be done. It's happened in the past. You remember yeah. Temple getting kicked out of the Big East for football. Now, yes. that was pretty much all about just how terrible they were there and it wasn't a full marriage so that makes it a little bit more difficult but absolutely that's a possibility and I think a real and more real possibility in the future Jim look at it like this you you mentioned the reason there's no doubt you bring in the households you put BTN on every basic cable tier in Washington DC in that area along with New York City that's a ton of money no doubt but it's changing Cord cutting has changed the game as it pertains to the way that people watch. Now, I have two nephews that are, one is 18 years old, one is 23 years old. They don't have cable. At their places, they don't have cable. They don't have satellite. They, they don't consume sports in that way. It is different, Jim. And with the changing demographics and the way they consume, I'll always have DirecTV. As long as DirecTV is a product, I have a yep. feeling I'm always going to have it because that's what I grew up with, that's what I want. I know I can get the games in a fashion that I like. That's how I do it. But younger people are different. And as those cable fees start to dry up and those numbers continue to go away at that fashion, and now you're not getting that big check from New York and every cable subscriber paying their buck and everybody in D.C. paying their buck. And when that changes, what are you left with? You're left with two laughing stocks of athletic departments, two places that has done seemingly everything wrong over the last six years. I think there's a very real possibility that that could happen. Is it going to happen now? No. Is it going to happen within the next year or two? Absolutely not. And I don't think it'll ever happen under Jim Delaney because that would mean Jim Delaney would have to admit his mistake. Correct. But the next guy that comes in, and if these continued missteps continue with both of these athletic departments, it is a real possibility. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on that. And look, uh, you you just can't say, "All right, we just need to." These guys say, "Oh, just kick them out." <laughs> it's not. You just can't do that. Uh, it, 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 fans are so reactionary. Oh, just get rid of them. Nobody likes them anyway. Nobody likes them. Anyway. It is true. No, nobody does. It is. That's true. But it is. They like them. They like them at Big Ten headquarters. They mm-hmm. like. They, they like the numbers and the money that they generate. Like they like checks. that. Yeah. They like those checks. That's it. And you have to understand, and we laugh about this all the time, when colleges say, oh, God, we don't have any money. That's BS. That's BS. You have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Look, we're talking about at Auburn, 
where Gus Malzahn, the head football coach, and Auburn isn't playing that well this year, got a new contract extension. His buyout is like $25 million, And the rich Auburn people, oh, we'll just kick him out and we'll just pay it off. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. $25 million. It's nothing. We're just going to throw his butt out the door. Uh, when you, when, when you, you have to understand and, and that, that it, it is all about the mighty dollar. For us who are fans of football, fans of basketball, fans of a- any sport, and it's played on a college field or in a college arena, Trent, for us, that's all we're interested in. We're consumed by competition. That's what drives us. When you attend an Iowa football game, you're not going there and you're not thinking about, oh, man, I was really going to make a lot of money tonight. This place is packed. No. You're there having a party. You're there to enjoy the competition on the field. Win or lose, you'd like to win, but win or lose, you are there to have a great time. But... When, but but people don't understand is it is money it is a monstrous business and that's what college athletics has now turned into. Got to get those checks, keep cash of them checks, yep. and uh, that's it. It's the most important thing anymore. All right, Jim. From that, uh, I do want to talk about some actual things we saw in the world of sports, actually on the court, on the field, and that's what happened last night north of the border in Minnesota. And Derrick yes. Rose. Uh, we, we like to joke about your affinity for the NBA. I've told you I've watched more October basketball than I ever have in my <laughs> life. And, and I know that's going to dry up when college basketball gets here. And, and I'll be yeah. much deeper into that. But I've enjoyed it. And I'm probably going to watch more this season than I have, I don't know, in 25 years since the early 90s. I, I really, that's probably where I'm going to be this year. I really have enjoyed it. And last night, another great, enjoyable experience. I, I told you... You know, Game 3 of the World Series and stayed up until 2.30 in the morning. That was one of the most enjoyable sporting events that I'd had without a rooting interest. Now, I'm a Timberwolves fan, but I'm not a diehard. I don't live and breathe with the team. I don't read every article at The Athletic and the Star Tribune about what's happening. I'm not there, but it's a team that I root for. In my pecking order, it's a lot lower down than some of the other teams that I follow. But I flip them on. I watched the second half of the game last night. And that performance. But... It wasn't just the, the Derrick Rose going off for 50 points, but the emotion that was involved afterwards. And seeing yes. him watching the postgame uh, interview on court there, the raw emotion that went into it. Then see him get to the locker room and everybody drenching him with the water. The guys right after the game celebrating with him. That's the part of sport that we don't talk about a whole lot. It's a part of sport that you, you can't put it in a bottle, you can't capture it, but it what makes it so, so good. Well, here's what people have to understand. Derrick Rose has been through a lot. I mean, he went from rookie of the year to MVP for a season when he was with the Chicago Bulls to blowing his knee not once, not twice, but three times to having to go to court with an ex-girlfriend and having troubling life issues off the court, which really put the brakes on his NBA career and trying to come back from all of that and now having that opportunity where he has worked incredibly hard in the offseason to try to get his game 
not, it's probably never going to be as good as it was when he was the MVP. But right. at least he's in. But at least he's in like walking distance of that. And last night, in that T Wolves win, you saw a guy put on an unbelievable display and an array of shots. Not just pulling up at the three-point line, driving to the basket, using pump fakes to get big men off their feet and then sliding in underneath them for a reverse layup. By playing defense, he did everything in his power last night without Jimmy Butler on the court to get the T-Wolves to that W. Trent, I was thoroughly enjoying that game. I was totally impressed with his commitment and I'm happy for the guy with everything that he has gone through, right or wrong, whether if you believed him or not in the court cases or whatever. The struggles that he had, and now to get back to the level that he is now performing, it's absolutely tremendous. It really is. Jim, before we welcome in Ken Silverstein, we'll get to him here right after the break. You look at this uh, situation, I want to get your perspective on this. With the win last night, also Teague was injured, and it wasn't soreness like Jimmy Butler complained about, What oh, just driving me absolutely insane. But they show they can win. Derrick Rose is 30 years old. Will he hold up? We don't know. We're hopeful that that's going to happen for the guy. But, Jim, when you look at this, does this make it easier to trade away Jimmy Butler now? Does Does it make it where... All right, the asking price goes down for the Timberwolves. Give me their perspective, where they're looking at this and and rebuilding this team and getting rid of Butler, most importantly. Tom Thibodeau, the head coach, does not want Butler to go. That's why the asking price is so high, Trent. And Miami, you remember before the season began, the regular season, about a week and a half prior to that, Miami Heat thought they had a deal that would have sent Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat. And there were picks involved, a couple of player exchanges. They needed a third team. That third team would have been the Phoenix Suns. And Jeff Teague out of that would have gone then to Phoenix. So the trade was pretty much put in place. And then at the last moment, Minnesota Timberwolves reneged on the deal. And Tom Thibodeau came out and said, I'm going to try to convince Jimmy Butler to stay here. Well, that's what he's been trying to do. And I've said this on the show in previous days, is that when Jimmy Butler shows up on the court, it is in his DNA that he is going to play his ass off. Mm-hmm. He is. That, that's just the way the guy is wired. Doesn't matter. He's in a very, very bickering fight with management he puts the jersey on walks out the dude is ready to play until it's over and then he'll start you know going through his shenanigans which is what he did yesterday so from that aspect of it i don't see this getting any better you ask if the price is going to come down i don't think it's going to change for a while trent i think thibodeau still believes that he can make this deal work with Jimmy Butler on the court for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I don't see anybody yet in the NBA trying to offer up to what the Minnesota T-Wolves are asking for, at least not yet. Get rid of them. That's what I say. That's what I I say. I know that. Yeah. 
All right, Jim, we need a break. When we come back on the other side, Ken Silverstein's going to join us. We're going to get into the Big Ten more on DJ Durkin, his firing at Maryland. A look at Ohio State after the bye week. you got to assume this team is absolutely stewing to get on the field. And the Cornhuskers coming to town with Martinez and that high-powered offense. Not a whole lot of defense behind it. What he expects to see there, Iowa-Purdue, and a whole lot more inside the Big Ten. We'll do it next with Ken Silverstein here on Jimmy B and TC. And welcome back, everybody. We continue here, 1700 The Champ. Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, joining us right now on 1700. Ken, uh, look, I went off yesterday when the Maryland Board of Regents decided that they were going to reinstate football coach Durkin, and then... I had the smile on my face when they pulled the plug on that and they fired him. In my estimation, Ken, they were shamed into making that move. Are you in the same ballpark with me, or do you think it was something else? No, I think you're 100% correct. I mean, it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster from the very beginning. Obviously, the tragedy, the young man uh, passing away, um, the way they've handled it. You know, I've always thought that if there was a way to, you know, snap your fingers and start all over again, meaning whatever age you are, to go back to the very beginning. What I'm trying to say is no one handles this stuff correctly. I, I, I wish I could start a company just to advise people on how to handle media PR situations because you would think these people – would be able to, if they can't figure it out, hire somebody to advise you on how to handle whatever the affair may be. This thing has been botched from, is what, 26 letters in the alphabet? From A to Z. And, yeah, shamed is a good word for it. They were going in one direction. The governor and other folks went, whoa, 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 this is a nightmare. You can't, you can't bring him back. we got players walking out of meetings. we got, we got alumni. we got... Students going on a rampage. No, 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 no. No, no, you can't do this. you got to do a 180 and jettison him. And look, whether he should be totally um, guilty of all of this, that's almost a side issue. Sometimes, you know, you profit from association, and sometimes you're guilty uh, by association. So um, they botched it but I'm going to give them a smidgen of credit. I mean, just a hair of credit of eventually they figured it out and did the right thing. You know, it's they got it right, and, and that's the most important thing. They got this one right, Ken, and we're happy to see that. The Maryland job now, you know, Matt Canada will see possibility that he can stay on. I saw he, he wrote a, a very well-worded letter to all the parents of the team uh, inside the program and talking about, you know, what he hopes to do going forward here. But if it does open up and, and they don't go a different direction than Canada, it is such a difficult job. You're, you're facing an uphill climb as it pertains to Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State in your division, plus whatever crossovers that you have. What's the upside of that? I know there's a lot of good athletes there. You can recruit at a, a decent level at the very least, but people there don't care. It's a professional sports market. Who wants that job? Well, it's an interesting job because in some ways I agree with you, in some ways I disagree. Um, I agree with you in regards to the recruiting base is better than people really 
may have a real good understanding. Uh, Penn State's been able to go in there for years. Look at Ohio State right now. Their starting quarterback is from that area. And Dwayne Haskins, their best and young defensive end, Chase Young, is from that area. So um, both Penn State, Ohio State, have been able to go in there over all these years and recruit players. Um, I, I think there's talent there. You're, you're dealing with the I-95 corridor. That's Baltimore, uh, D.C. I think he can get into New Jersey uh, and steal some players from there that Rutgers uh, can't, can't get. So that's the upside. There are players. Can you get all of them? No, you're not going to get all of them because uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Penn State is probably going to get the five stars. But I'll give you uh, Stephon Diggs, now with the Minnesota Vikings. Was the kid that Ohio State, Michigan, all the big boys wanted. He decided to stay home. He was a Maryland kid, played at Maryland, now in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings, and is having a very nice career and, and well-deserved because he's a really good talent. So there are players. The question, which is really what you're getting at, is, okay, Ken, let's say you can get the players. Can you still beat, in no particular order, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State and be able to do it consistently. There, I agree with you 100%. There's the rub. Uh, I don't know. If it's not doable. You're, you're against these three programs, or really, well, see, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, excuse me, Penn State, four programs, excuse me. I forgot Sparty. Sorry, Mark D'Antoni, I didn't mean to do that. Bottom line is, I agree with you on half of it. I disagree a little bit on the other half. I, I think you can win eight a year. Maybe in a good year, maybe you can squeeze a ninth win. But to, to win in the East, most years you're going to have to win 11 or possibly 12, and that's not going to happen with the Terrapins. I'll give you a couple names. These names are already out there. Um, oh, my, let me think of some people. Um, I think Ryan Day at Ohio State, Greg Schiano at Ohio State, uh, Don Brown. Well, somebody please hire Don Brown so the rest of the teams in the East and the rest of the Big Ten can say, well, if he goes to Maryland, whatever. My point is, could just somebody hire Don Brown, the defensive coordinator at uh, Michigan. He's a former head coach at Fordham in New York City. Um, he would be a very viable guy and is a hot commodity. So there are a lot of guys, not only in the Big Ten. Um, Matt Rule at Baylor used to coach at Temple. He's got a real good uh, reputation in the Northeast. They would be looking for someone who's got Northeast I-95 credentials. That would mean from basically Boston to D.C. and everywhere in between. And somebody who at least, at least understands what, what's doable. If somebody thinks you're going to go in there and win 11, 12 games a year, that is not going to happen. But if someone is realistic and thinks they can win eight, maybe nine every few years, and I think it's a pretty good job. Ken Silverstein is our guest, 1700, the champ. All right, Ken, so here we are now with some big football games. Michigan, Penn State, Iowa's at Purdue, uh, and Ohio State, after getting crushed by Purdue, uh, will be back on the field as well. Take us through those three games and how you see uh, these games playing out this weekend. Well, let's start with Iowa and Purdue. Uh, this is obviously a big game. Big game because we're in November, as Jim just mentioned. We're running out of weeks. And this thing in the West is so tight. And it may end up and probably will come down to head-to-head as a tiebreaker. 
And so when you look at the standings and you know the Northwestern, and I don't know about you guys, I don't like a non-conference game being played in November, okay? I don't understand why Northwestern Notre Dame has to be played on the first Saturday in November. Why couldn't this game have been played, let's say, in early September, mid-September, let's say? But that's how the schedule worked out this year. I think it's strange. I don't like it. So no matter, Northwest is going to lose on Saturday. They're not, they're not beating Notre Dame. Not going to happen, okay? So it's a loss. But it doesn't affect the, quote, standings. It just doesn't because it's not a, it's not a conference game. So it pushes everything back from Northwestern's perspective, and they're important because right now they only got one loss in the conference and have already played six games. So whether you believe Northwestern's for real or not, at least for another Saturday, meaning this Saturday, they're going to be sitting on top. And there's not a whole bunch anybody else can do because of the loss column. So we'll forget about Northwestern. They're not going to beat Notre Dame, and we'll talk about the big matchup the following week. Iowa's got to obviously win. Okay, Which Purdue team shows up? Is it the Purdue team that played out of their you-know-what minds on a Saturday night at Ross Aid and beat Ohio State? Or is it Purdue who had, what, three turnovers, at least three, three that I can think of, against uh, Sparty last week and looked like Purdue? You know, okay, but, you know, nothing to, to be too concerned about. So which Boilermaker team shows up? I think I was going to win. Um, they got the better defense. Um, if you can somehow corral Rondell Moore, Ohio State couldn't with all their four and five stars for whatever reason. Sparty, with a bunch of three stars and a four star thrown in the mix here and there, were able to do a pretty good job. You know, I mean, if you looked at his numbers last week, they were they were good, but they weren't astronomical. So stop Rondell Moore, put pressure on David Blau, and I think it's a W. So I think I was going to win. That'll put him a four and two. The most important thing, still one back in the loss column. Real quick on Ohio State, Nebraska. Last year in Lincoln, Ohio State could have scored 70-plus on them. If they wanted to, they scored 50-plus on them. I think the spread's too high. Uh, Trent can chime in. I think it's over. I think it's still around 20-ish. Um, I think it's too much. Um, I think Ohio State will win. They don't lose at home, uh, particularly to a team like uh, Nebraska at this point. It's not Nebraska of uh, Johnny Rogers and company, okay? Uh, are they better? Yes, they're better. Yes, the Martinez kid is going to be a really good quarterback over the next couple of years, but they ain't winning uh, coming off a bye for Ohio State. So I think Ohio State wins. Um, will it cover? I, I just don't think so. I think Nebraska will score enough to keep it competitive, maybe more than competitive, but I think Ohio State gets uh, a W. And real quick on Michigan-Penn uh, State, um, all I remember from last year's game in Happy Valley was very early in the game, I didn't know the first couple of plays, Saquon Barkley just ripping off a big run right up Don Brown's defense, his vaunted defense, and going the distance for a touchdown. Well, he ain't around anymore. He's in the NFL uh, with the hapless Giants. So this is basically Trace McSorley. You stop McSorley, you win. I think they'll do a good enough job on McSorley, keep him within reason. Penn State loses another conference game. Oh, my goodness. This would be their what? Third loss in conference. It'd be their third loss overall. It sets up Michigan to be 6-0. and They have two patsies in the next couple weeks. And then it comes down to what it usually comes down to. The last Saturday in November, this year in Columbus.
All right, Ken, uh, you mentioned the Nebraska game making their way over there to your neck of the woods to take on Ohio State. Yeah, the uh, line has moved down a little bit, though, a bit surprising Mm -hmm. as it's down to about 17.5 in a lot of different spots. Wow, it's gone down that far. I thought it was about 20. Okay, It it has. So that's a little bit... Odd to me. I, I think this is going to be a big-time blowout. You expect Ohio State to bounce back. But the the big constant is the continued questions on the health issues of Urban Meyer. What we learned this week, take us inside of that and what the conversation is out there with the future of Urban Meyer uh, as he details the brain cysts that causes headaches. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, look, whenever you're dealing with the, the, the brain, if you're dealing with the heart... Um, these are obviously major body parts, and whether it's a football coach or a family member or the guy or girl next door, or friend, cohort at work, whatever, this is nothing to, um, uh, let's say, uh, sneeze at in so many words. Um, what will happen? I don't know. Uh, you, you get conflicting information. I talked to a, a very good source of mine who is one of the Board of Regents, and who's been a great source of mine for many, many years, and he really doesn't know if I was going to take a guess, and this is strictly a guess, on November 1st, and giving myself some wiggle room, because this thing could ebb and flow, with the early signing period in December, and then National Signing Day in, what, early February. And from what I understand, and I'm not a doctor, far from it. My mom and dad would have been proud, but it didn't work out. Um, if, he's, if I know him, and I think I do to some extent, I think he's going to push this as far as he can. I think he's going to have another surgery. I think it's going to be done very quietly. No one's going to know that he goes in, and no one's going to know when he leaves. And I know you're going to find that hard to believe, but they did it last time. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but that's what their plan is. My guess is he will have some type of surgery in February after National Signing Day because that's just how maniacal he is. And from what I've been told and read, it's, um, it's tedious. You know, you're not dealing with a fingernail injury, okay, or even a sprained ankle. But what I've read is it's a couple weeks of recovery. Um, my guess is that he might miss some, if not all, of spring practice. Somebody, whether it's Ryan Day, who was the interim uh, this past season for the first three games, or if he decides to go elsewhere as a head coach, whether it's Maryland or somewhere else around the country, then it will be someone else on staff. And then my guess, if I'm correct in this scenario, he then would um, come back after spring practice. That's strictly a guess factoring in how maniacal he is, the surgery possibility, the timetable, assuming there are no other issues outside of the potential issue itself. And um, we'll see. Now, if you're, if you're asking me, could he, before a bowl game, after a bowl game, retire? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And then I let's put it this way. Gene Smith, the athletic director, Gene's a lot of things. And believe me, I'm not the biggest Gene Smith fan on this planet. He's got more Teflon uh, than any Teflon pan or pot you might have in your kitchen. But if I know Gene, and Gene is diabolical, okay, he's already, I mean, he's ready to go. I mean, Bob Stoops is on speed dial. Ryan Day's on speed dial. 
Coach Campbell at Iowa State's on speed dial. Coach Fuentes of Virginia Tech is on speed dial. Dan Mullen, possibly at Florida, is on speed dial. The elite of the elite, I mean, he will go after, because money's going to be no object. He'll go after, other than Nick Saban, he will go after everyone. I will tell you one person he will not go after. He would not go after this guy if he was on his deathbed, and that would be Tom Herman. There is no way on this planet that Tom Herman, as long as Gene Smith is alive, will ever be head coach at Ohio State. Never happened. And that goes back to the Zach Smith fiasco and how he and his wife, uh, obviously he now the head coach at the University of Texas, were involved and maybe more involved than meets the eye. So there is no way Tom Herman will ever be the head coach at Ohio State as long as Gene Smith is the AD. We had a discussion prior to you coming on, and it was about Maryland. And I just want to kind of go back to this real quick Mm -hmm. uh, before we let you go. And that is, I was talking to fans last night, and they said, why don't they just kick Maryland and Rutgers out of the Big Ten? (laughs) I tried to explain to them, Ken, it's got nothing to do with what they do on the athletic field. It's just all about the money. It's all about big money in college athletics. That's it. Yeah, it's eyeballs. It's television. It's money, and it's it's the commissioner. How do I want to keep this G-rated here? Let's just put it this way: his <laughs> hands were out, the money got dropped in, and the money stuck. How about that? He didn't drop any yeah. of the dollars that were thrown his way. They all stuck to his hands. Now, I'm not saying he's cheating or stealing the money. No, he's not doing that one iota. All he wanted was more money for the conference. He wasn't looking at the competitive balance or wins and losses or anything like that. Look, Maryland can be more than competitive in hoops. Uh, they have the tradition going back all the way to Lefty, Grizel, and so forth. So I'm not real worried year in, year out about Rutgers, excuse Rutgers, Maryland hoops. I'm not going to say they're going to be numero uno every year. No, no, they're not. But they can compete most years. And they'll send now and then a guy to the NBA. Okay. Uh, football, we've talked about it already. I think eight's the window, the highest it can go, the widest the window can be opened. And if that's okay, then that's fine. But the problem is they're in the East. If you're winning eight a year in the West, you're in the hunt a lot more usually. Okay. Rutgers, oh, my goodness, we don't have enough time. Uh, that's New York, so without your money, that's why they're there. Uh, they are the, quote, State University of New Jersey. But the best athletes never stay. Again, they go to Penn State, they go to Rutgers, they go anywhere but Rutgers. Once in a blue moon, you know, a Rutgers kid or a New Jersey kid will stay. Um, a Jonathan Taylor, for example, is from Salem, New Jersey. He left, uh, and many, many others have left, not only in the last year or two, but many, many years in the past. Ken Silverstein, a look around at the Big Ten Ken, I will be in Eastern Iowa next week calling volleyball, so you're going to be stuck talking with Jimmy B and John Cannon, who will be filling in with me. So good luck with those fellas next week. Uh, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks, though. Look forward to it. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. So some pretty good matchups. Mm-hmm. Iowa needs to take care of business. Um, Michigan, I'd be shocked if they lose, and I think Ohio State is uh, going to win. Michigan-Maryland will be interesting only – because of what's happened, obviously, over the last uh, few days. Minnesota, Illinois, you're going to need uh, by Z. Notre Dame, Northwestern, again, non-conference. Notre Dame's going to win. And Indiana, the Hoosiers have the week off.
Not too bad. Not too shabby. Thanks, as always, for your time. Look forward to it. See you next week, guys. Ken Silverstein joining us here, our Big Ten Conference Insider. Fun weekend overall in the Big Ten landscape this week. Early, uh, it's not very early now as we as we talk here on a Thursday. Uh, leans, I, I've said throughout the week, I like Iowa in this spot. My numbers, at least as it pertains to betting, had Iowa's a slight favorite, third underdog against Purdue. I like laying the points with Ohio State, certainly. Maryland, Michigan State, absolutely no feel on that one. Minnesota, Illinois, maybe a letdown spot for Minnesota after their Big Ten win. Do get an extra day to prepare, and the Illini are just so bad. Penn State, Michigan, I, I like Michigan big in that spot and covering the 10 and a half. And, and I'll tell you, I just, I have a feeling, a feeling that something weird might be happening at Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois, with undefeated fourth-ranked Notre Dame coming to town. Just, just a feeling. That's all that I have. Get in, Price. 100 bucks. That's a big deal for Northwestern at least right now on StubHub. With that, we get the break. Jim and I continue on the other side. We'll get ready for the night in sports. We'll do that next as Jimmy B and TC continues 1700 The Champ. Back with you one final time. Trent Kahn and Jim Brinson with you each and every weekday from 1 until 2 o'clock on Jimmy B and TC. So, Jim, we open up the program today. We were talking certainly a lot about what we saw in the NBA last night and the NFL game tonight. It stinks. Are you watching? Are you really going to watch any of the 49ers Raiders game, Jim? I will um, because it is the NFL and sometimes. Yeah, but it Trent, stinks. It stinks. I know, it's, I know it stinks. I know it stinks. But when you have two lousy teams, sometimes it makes for an entertaining game. Does it? Look, I, does I it? want to see. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, that, it happens. I want to see if C.J. Beathard is is going to play. There's talk that he's still having wrist problems and he may not uh, play tonight or he's going to try to play. They don't know how long he'll last for the 49ers. Um, I, I just want to see the Raiders on the field and see, God, are they really this bad? Uh, but I'm going to be entertained by a couple of other things uh, this evening. And one of them is college football. I want to see Central Florida play. Uh, they are hosting Temple tonight. Uh, Temple's not bad. Pretty good team. Have a, has a winning record at 5-3. and three. But Central Florida's undefeated. Trent, they have not lost a game now in a year and a half. Went undefeated last year, including the big bowl win over SEC Auburn. And they are undefeated right now. I want to take a look at them and see if I can kind of get a little bit of a read on them just to see, I guess, could they compete with the top, you know, be on the field with top teams. And I I know that it's a long shot for them to get into the Final Four. So many things would have to happen. There would have to be unbelievable chaos. But I, that's the one reason I'm going to kind of look at that game tonight. Uh, also, uh, there's a pretty good NBA game tonight. You may want to get a taste on this one. And I never thought I would say this. It is the undefeated. Milwaukee Bucks yes. on the road in Boston tonight to play the Celtics. That does it. That does it. Back to what you're talking about. We'll, we'll get to the NBA in a moment, and I will be watching okay. that. Yes, because 
Bucks are fun to watch. They they are. Yeah. They actually they have a real coach. They don't have that joke of Jason Kidd anymore. It's a real basketball team, Jim. It's a real basketball yes. team now. Something they certainly weren't a season ago. But back to Central Florida for a moment. First of all, okay. Mackenzie Milton, their fine, outstanding quarterback. Another Hawaiian kid. Yes. You know, we talk about yes. Tua Tonga Valoa, but Mackenzie Milton, also from the islands, mm-hmm. he's been incredibly good. Well, he didn't play last week. Against East Carolina, right. didn't play last week, has an undisclosed injury. I think it was an ankle. I, I saw somewhere whispered in hushed tones, but that is the uh, the piece that we see. He doesn't play. They are completely different. Their backup can't throw. He can't throw the football. I, he just yeah. He's not a good quarterback. And they're playing Temple. Temple has played well at times this year. They have a history of pulling some upsets in this spot. I'll tell you one thing, Jimmy B. Not only will I be watching this game because I too want to see Central Florida against somebody good because that hasn't been yeah. the case in a Temple, and they're a top 40, 45 type of team. Yeah. They're not great, yeah. but they're they're fine. It's at home. You'd think they'd be able to handle it, but I like the points in this spot. Even if Mackenzie Milton is able to play, how effective is he going to be? We're going to have to see because a big part of his game is getting outside of the pocket and making plays out there. I think you're going to get a good game. That, of everything tonight, that's what I'm looking most forward to. There's a little action going on. Maction's never a bad thing to be bouncing around. But Central Florida, even if they get by Temple tonight, coming up, it's Navy, who isn't great this year, but it's still Navy. Cincinnati, who's 7-1. and South Florida, who's 7-1. and And then you finish up, more than likely, against Houston in the American Championship game. This is a difficult run for anybody. This would be a difficult run for anybody short of Alabama to get through this slate. Is it top-tier teams? Is it name-brand programs? No. But this is going to be more difficult, I think, than people think, and it starts tonight. I'm excited for that one with Temple. All right, Jim. All right, go ahead now with the NBA. And you're right. I will be watching tonight. (laughs) I just want to see the Greek freak, and I want to see him play against the Celtics and Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving and company. I just want to see how this all plays out. And I look at they're they're seven and zero. I know the season is just really getting underway in the NBA, but still, it is the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar-led Milwaukee Bucks that won a title, or even the Kent Benson Milwaukee Bucks. Remember that out of Indiana? no, I don't. No, I, I was okay, not alive. Fair enough. Fair enough. But. They are talented, and they do have some players. I, I, This ought to be fun tonight to kind of get a read on this game. Here's one for you, Jim. I mean, I'm going, okay. I'm going deep into the well now. I'm, I'm, I'm really All digging right. in. Sacramento is 5-3. <laughs> yes. Atlanta stinks. But these two teams play at two of the fastest pace in the league right now. Atlanta plays right. at the fastest. Sacramento the third fastest up and down the floor. Trey Young firing from 38 feet away. Sign me up for that one. I'll be bouncing around the 700s tonight on DirecTV, and I might find myself for a good 5-10 minutes stuck on Sacramento, Atlanta, and we won't talk about it a lick tomorrow, I'm sure. But regardless, just a little extra nugget for you here on a Thursday evening. I like that aspect of it. I really do. Um, that could be a lot of fun to watch. That could be a uh, a 138-134 to 134 game. <laughs> yep. 
uh, with the with the way that those guys run up and down the court, you'll see a lot of dunking in this game because neither one of them really play very good defense. So it will be racehorse basketball. You convince me. I I might have to uh, at the refreshment stand. I might have to ask them to put that up on one of the monitors. Have you found a bar that has the NBA ticket? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Who who are you talking to here? That's Come true. on. I That's do true. my I do my research. I figured as much. <laughs> we'll do it for tomorrow. It's a uh, time for our picks again tomorrow. We'll do that later on in the program. Jimmy B has been on fire. 18 and 2 against yes. the spread. This isn't just picking winners. This is against the number. It has to end at some point. Will it be tomorrow? Tune in and find, oh, Jim says no. Jim says no. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. We got Tiki and Tierney coming up, bringing you the national perspective next. And then I'll be back at 4 o'clock, myself and Wolfgang, with the drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody.